This is Fathering, Episode 5 with Ted Gamble. Well, Ted, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you're here today. Well, thank you. It's an honor. Uh, I, I really uh, appreciate the the offer. Absolutely. So uh, for, for those listening today, uh, Ted, you are the father of one of my best friends from college, Kevin. Uh, Kevin was a, a groomsman in my wedding. I was a groomsman in That's his right. wedding. That's and right, yeah. That's how I got to know you and your wife, Karen. Yeah. Um, and... Basically, you guys live in Western Maryland. Is it considered Frederick? Yeah, it's uh, well, Frederick, Maryland is like the the main thing on the map there. We're 20 minutes outside in Mount Airy, which is sort of a a bedroom community out there. Yeah. So we've been there pretty much our whole uh, married life. And that's where Kevin knows life. And he's grown up there. And he lives in Frederick now, you know, as a married man. So So it's kind of funny. I when I was a groomsman in Kevin's wedding, I lived in Delaware and I spent like a whole week at your guy's house. You had a spare bedroom. And so for all the wedding festivities, uh, I was, man, I still remember breakfast on your front porch and there was just a smorgasbord and oh my gosh, it was just incredible. But those couple days that I spent, I I got to really know you guys a little bit and I've carried it with me. When when I started this podcast, you were one of the first people I thought of. Like, I, Ted has a bunch of kids, and as far as I know, most of them love Jesus, if not all of them. And you just have really cool kids. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I'm a little uh, prejudiced about it, you know, biased, but I, I think I do too. And it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's interesting. You, you remember that week? To me, it was a blur because it was right. my my first getting married, you know, my first son uh, getting married and uh, all the activities and stuff so it's it's kind of a a blur but it was a pleasure to have you in the house <laughs> and uh, get to know you as Kevin's friend you know he had talked about you a lot when he was going to school and everything so uh <laughs> uh yeah and uh so as far as i know all my kids you know i'm pretty sure of it <laughs> are in the faith and uh you know we've been very blessed with that yeah oh so uh so you have five kids Yes. Kevin's the oldest and then right. there's so there's four boys and then a girl and it wasn't planned that way it was God's provision uh, <laughs> when the girl finally showed up I was like are you sure Wait, check that again <laughs> I don't think we do girls uh, but there's uh, Kevin who's uh, 28 uh, Tim who's 26 there's uh, Peter who's 24 and then Willis who's uh, 22 and then Hannah uh, rounds it out she's 20. That's a lot of children that were yeah. did you guys know from the get-go that you no. wanted to have a lot of kids no i think we uh i i come from a family of five kids oh but uh and karen my wife uh comes from a family of three kids but i mean really no i don't think we went into marriage thinking we're going to have a, a large crop of kids and uh <laughs> you know um we had kevin and then we had tim and at that point, it was one-on-one, you know, and then right. we had three, and we were outnumbered, and then we did that okay, and I was like, okay, you know, so we'll, we'll do another one, and uh, and then finally Hannah rounded it, rounded it out, so it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, it is a lot of kids, and it took a lot of work, uh, a lot of investment of time and, and everything, but it never felt like oh my gosh, you know, hmm. we're like Ma and Paul Kettle with you know, all these kids. But now we're getting to not the other side, but a different phase. 
Mm. When I see families I get, of that size, I'm, I immediately grow tired because <laughs> I, I know all the energy that it requires, you know. But mm. uh, but really, it's it was God's provision and His plan for it, and uh, it's it's never been a regret. It's always been a blessing, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. So, were you a Christian before you got married? Well. I would have to say now no. At that time, I would have said yes, you know, because uh, I grew up, my family uh, went to church, but it wasn't something that was discussed at home. There was no uh, Christian education as far as what it really meant. It hmm. was, you know, we would say prayers. I remember my mom taught me the Lord's Prayer, uh, uh, but it wasn't really uh, a guiding principle in our life in a sense but in, until that happens you don't realize that it's not happening so wow. I, it's i would have said yes at the time and when i met karen uh i met her older I, I we got married when i was 30 but i met her when i was 27 and she grew up in a family that uh you know church was very central to their life hmm. and i knew that and i saw that so I kind of started going to church with her more to impress her parents at the time, you know? <laughs> uh, and and it took a while, you know. There's kind of a a faith journey in there for all of us. And by the time we got married, we got married in that church that her her parents were attending. I still would have said yes, I'm a Christian now, hmm. you know, because it was starting to resonate with me. But uh, it really wasn't until. Kevin was born that some sort of bombshell exploded on my heart, you know, and, mm. and a real journey started. Wow. So how, how long had you been married when you had your first kid? So we got married when I was 30 and uh, Kevin was born when I was 34. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we had five kids, at, you know, starting from that point on. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, you're, you're a dad of, of one so far, yep. right? Yep. And, um, you know, what we like, Karen and I, when we see young couples, um, I think is really typical, and it was with us as well, that you're you're married and your focus is on each other and yourself in a sense, you know. And then once a kid comes along, it's like the whole universe gets ripped asunder, and there's yeah. a whole new center to things, you know. And it's an amazing thing to watch a couple, a young couple. We see them in our church. When that happens, it's like predictable. You can see it that all of a sudden. There's a, a new center to their whole mm -hmm. life, a whole purpose behind it. And with my faith journey with Kevin, I, you know, uh, I don't know if they still do this with kids, but they would take your take a first picture when the baby was first born. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Karen is in the postpartum uh, area of the delivery. And, and uh, you know, we've been with Kevin a, f a few minutes, maybe a couple hours. And they're like, oh, time for his first picture. And. Uh, so they took him and me away and laid him in this table where there's this camera over top of him looking down on him. And he, I'm looking at him like in wonder still and his eyes, <laughs> his eyes are darting around, darting around, looking at all the medical equipment, trying to make sense of everything. And suddenly they lock onto my eyes and it was like a laser beam locking on and wow. it drilled. It, it was thrilling and terrifying because in that sense, it was like time stopped and I got this sense of, of this, this child is going to grow up. It was like he's looking straight into my soul, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I can kind of fake it or kind of have my face on for a lot of other people. 
And it was this realization that I'd been doing that a lot in my life, but this child was going to see me for who I really was because he was going to grow up. And it was, I, it really is like people say, you know, if something's life threatening, that all the stuff flashes through their mind. And it was like that yeah. in a sense that it was this challenge from God, you know, of this is true. And it was the first time that I really said, God, okay, I've been playing around with you in a sense. I've been claiming you, but I don't know you. And so I need to know you. So either make yourself known to me so I know kind of like I don't want to be lukewarm. You know, yeah. If I believe in you, I want to believe in you. Mm. If I don't, then I want to stand in front of this child and say, this is why I don't. And that really was the explosion or igniting something yeah. in me that, that kind of faith started to become real. So that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine then maybe in the beginning it might have been God probably tested you a whole lot then because not only do you have a kid now, but you're also trying to take your faith more seriously. I did, you know, and, and God blesses us when we try, you know, uh, we ended up moving to, uh, an, we had moved our location geographically so that the church that we got married in wasn't the church that was convenient to us anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up moving to a church much closer uh, to where our house was. And that's the church that we're still in to this day. Oh, wow. Uh, and it has been a huge blessing to us, uh, Redeemer Lutheran Church in Damascus. And the, the pastor there, who's retired but still uh, kind of works there, Pastor Ray, incredible man of faith. Uh, just really strong father figure to a lot of people, mm. um, very strong spiritual mentor. He challenged people, including myself. He had a way of speaking from the pulpit that, you know, he was like the rubber meets the road. He very educated man, lots of degrees, but spoke in very plain English. And I would talk to other people and they were like, I felt like he was talking right to me, <laughs> you know, and yeah. he was challenging people. And so at this point where my heart was open to grow god provided a very rich environment there that's really cool. you know to be mentored by him and then by other men in the church as well so yeah so something really key you just mentioned you changed churches early in parenthood yeah and i mean you you lost a community basically and you had to build a whole new one and so was that was that difficult or did you find ways to to find community because once once you have that kid you're you're going out on friday nights changes drastically absolutely no it was because the the church that we had gotten married in we had a lot of young couples that were friends of ours uh and even though at first it was we drove like you know 40 minutes to get down there um we did that because we were so connected with them as this desire was growing in my heart to kind of like to really to know God in a sense, I just wasn't getting, I wasn't feeling fed at that church. And somebody at work had invited me to come to this other church, which was much closer to home. And, you know, it just connected with me. I was Mm. like, wow, you know, and it was a struggle between me and my wife, you know, because she was very, she's very invested in relationships, you know, she's gifted that way. And so the thought of leaving those relationships and moving to a different church was difficult for her and it actually took time we would split our time at first we'd go a sunday at one place and a sunday at the other place Hmm. 
but it was not too long before she really also got hooked by the way that our current church, uh, you know, its message and its encouragement. And we made new friends there that were also at the same sort of stage with us and were being oh, cool. impacted the same way. So, yeah. So Excellent. Yeah. So were there ways uh, when you were first starting out that with, with Kevin that you were bringing faith into your household? So it, 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 was, it was a learn-as-you-go process, for sure. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of dads, when they're thinking about, or prospective dads, as they're, you do an inventory of your toolkits. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's, unfortunately, it's rare when a young man uh, about to become a father uh, has good examples in his own life of that. You know, from my experience, my own personal experience and talking to other people, I think a lot of people approaching fatherhood for the first time realize their deficits and how much they don't have. And, you know, they may look at their own fathering experience and say, I don't want to do that, mm. or I want to do something better. And that was certainly my case, you know, and it was one of the things I kind of had some uh, unspoken fear of inside of how do I do this? You know, and at that point, I didn't. There were no podcasts like this or anything <laughs> else. You know, so you were kind of left with those thoughts in your own mind. But you know, God was faithful through that. You know, that He blessed me with my wife, who was also in the faith. I can't imagine doing this if we weren't both pulling in the same direction. Mm. Uh, and uh, that you know, she was excited to see the growth in me, the desire to know God at that time, and it kind of reignited her own faith or, or added to the fuel of her own faith. You know, we were encouraged by our church. We were encouraged by uh, men's groups at our church that people could talk about, uh, other guys could talk about, whether it's just as a husband or as a father, uh, the struggles or the victories that they were having. And mm. so it was, we were gifted with a community there. I never felt like we were alone in that sense, you know. So, yeah, I, now I look back on it, and it's some of the best years of my life of those kids as they were each coming into our lives with a unique personality, and you know, because they're all very different from each other. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think. So, so I'm my daughter's a year and a half years old, and you just described, you just said it on record that some of the best years of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Were early on. So, yeah, like, yeah, I I've heard. Uh, a phrase uh, i wish we knew we were in the good times while they were still happening yeah and uh now now you're giving me that perspective maybe right yeah maybe i need to really hone in on this age oh yeah oh definitely i think all ages i mean because it's all time that's so precious we never get it back you know mm-hmm. and and i actually i don't like telling young parents it's so fleeting you need to focus on this because it's like this pressure of uh, but you know it's <laughs> it's more just I think a, a matter of our attitude of heart of God's gifted us with each day. And, you know, we need to be kind of always reminding ourselves of the gift that each day brings, mm. you know, and my kids, you can tell by their ages, they've now gotten into adulthood and it's been a blink of an eye in a sense mm. that I, I'm 62 and I don't identify with that because I still kind of in a lot of ways think of myself as a father of a young family because it's what hmm. our identity was and and uh so it, it does go by very very quickly so. oh man so i got to spend a couple days at your house and one thing i mean you said i didn't, I didn't even think that it was the wedding week because i i hadn't been married yet at the time but now i know that blur that is the week of the wedding but i really noticed a, a synergy between you and your wife 
it just seemed like you guys had clear roles in the household. What would you say was, was your role uh, spiritually with your kids? Well, first, I know she's in charge. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it has been a, a partnership through it that, um, you know, because as I described our, our faith background, she had had a strong sort of uh, example through her family life, whereas mine had not been. But once our faith life together was ignited, it really was together, you know, mm. in a sense. And she was very encouraging to me to keep seeking out, you know, uh, other guys. And, and we've been blessed that, as I said, through our church, there were uh, men's groups and a uh, lot of opportunities for uh, fellowship that way and, and for uh, sharing things and encouraging one another. Um, we pray for each other you know uh i think one of the things we started early on in our marriage was uh each night that we would pray together hmm. you know uh we'd pray the lord's prayer and then we would pray you know the prayers on our heart and uh, that was a little uncomfortable for me at first because i wasn't used to talking out loud you know yeah. like that and uh that also is uh something that hones you in a way you know um i think it's like uh, if you want to uh get good at anything you need to practice you know mm. and even when you don't feel like it you need to practice you know uh so i think that kind of for prayer that goes that way i think that the way you you love your spouse the way you forgive your spouse is even when you don't feel like it god tells us that we're supposed to honor them and love them mm. and uh, you know we do it imperfectly and you know if you ask my wife it would be very imperfectly on my <laughs> part at many times you know and i think one of the things that has been a central thing to us is I talked about our pastor, Pastor Ray. He, very rubber meets the road. He taught us this simple little idiom. He said, in your family, always be prepared. The very first thing that at the rock bottom is to say, I'm sorry, hmm. I love you. Or actually it was up in order, it's I'm sorry, I forgive you, and I love you. So that you would always be accountable and, and be ready and not afraid to be vulnerable and say you're sorry. Always be ready to accept an apology and say mm. you forgive. Uh, and then at the bottom of that is even as that process is going on to always affirm that you are loved. And so we, we did that in our marriage and we did that with the kids. We would actually even say that, you know, to them over and over again. And at first, these things kind of feel like rote, like you're just, it's like when you say the cute little prayers with the kids at night, but they matter because mm -hmm. they start getting ingrained in their psyche and how they see their family, how they see their parents. And, you know, psychologists tell us that people see God the, a lot of the ways they see their father, you know. And mm -hmm. so um, I think if we can find good examples to start embedding as habits, you know, then they start to solidify that character of God in us. And, and I mean, I say that, and I, I shrink back because I want to say that I, but in any great way, exhibit the character of God. I have a lot of flaws. But um, I, through all of that, I've, I've been very grateful the way that God has provided these things because, you know, you look at our kids, they've grown, and I kind of scratch my head because uh, I have to be honest that at the beginning I was – it was like a hope and a prayer, like, okay, we have five kids, how many are gonna turn out? How many are gonna stay in the faith? And they have all, in a sense, turned out. They have all stayed in the faith and not their parents' faith, they have claimed their faith, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
uh, I've just been amazed at to see the way that uh, it is their faith in Christ is the central thing that guides their lives. Three of them are now married, and they've all chosen, those are three men, so they've all chosen just beautiful Christian women that have just been a blessing to them and a blessing to be added to our family. Uh, and I pray the same thing for my son Willis and for my daughter Hannah, mm. you know. Uh, but uh, even while they're not married, both of them who are, they're the two that are still in college, you know, ripe years for kind of turning different directions. Yeah. Their focus is on their faith, mm. you know, as a central thing and such a blessing. It really is a blessing to see that. That's it's, really it's cool. mystifying to me still, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned apologizing, saying I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I've never had to do that. What's it like uh, as the sorry, I've I've said I'm sorry before. Uh but but to my child, to yeah. to someone who I'm the authority figure. I mean, what's what's that look like to to apologize and seek forgiveness from your kids? Yeah. You know, I that is a real blessing to have had that model held up to us at the beginning because I mean your daughter is going to get to an age before you know it where that's going to matter right yeah. where you're going to do something out of impatience or you know just not thinking it through clearly or the facts come out a little bit later and you understand that you kind of over you were either too forceful or whatever it, it in my case it was usually responding a little too forcefully out of my impatience mm-hmm. um and to be able to come back to say you're sorry is such a huge thing. You see it in their eyes, that the impact of it. And you realize that if you hadn't done that, then there would have been a little wall, a brick in that wall that would have been built there. You know. Ooh. And uh, I, I remember with uh, a lot of things with Kevin, because he was our first. And, and I remember he got mad at me. He was probably about four years old you know, three or four, and we were in the driveway, and he was a great kid. He always been a good guy, and he's grown into a fine young man, but he was really mad at me for something. I probably told him no or something, you know, and uh, just like little kids that age, he folded his arms, screwed his face up, turned his back on me, and marched, you know, like 20 steps away, like, that's it. I'm putting my back to you. You know, you, you better take that, and... I could have gotten like stop that or whatever, and it was like I was just told, open your arms wide. So when he turns Ooh. around, that's what he sees. And he turned around with his face all screwed up, sort of like, I hope you're really taking this in. And he absolutely melted when he saw me sitting there with my arms out, and he ran and jumped into my arms. and man, it chokes me up now because the feeling is so real. It was that sense of, you know, open forgiveness and acceptance. It was God flowing through me in that sense, you know, and it yeah. was it was powerful for me because it made such an impact to see his face melt. And it imprinted something on me that helped me with all the other kids as they came along, is that they should never be afraid of me. Mm. You know, they should know, yes, I'm in charge, you know, uh, but they should never be afraid of me, you know. And I think like with my fourth child, uh, Willis, I, I remember that lesson coming back. I'm a little hard-headed sometimes. I'll learn something like this, <laughs> and then I have to relearn it. And he was uh, probably in uh, early middle school, and I was yelling and mad and whatever. that I forget what. They, I don't even have any memory what it was. They didn't do what I said to do when I got home or something. And I remember him in such a kind voice saying he cut through it 
you know, my face is all red. I'm mad. He said, Dad, we know you're in charge. You don't have to yell. And I was like, it just cut me off at the knees, you know. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know. But it was this exact, it was that lesson that came back like when Kevin was doing that as, you know, a preschooler. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know. God, I think, is always there to kind of correct us. Sometimes he does it through prayer, sometimes through reflection, sometimes right through our kids, you know. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. So something really special that uh, that I think that you do is uh, your kids, um, several of them are, are out of the household and married, but you're still there leading them, leading by example. And Kevin told me last year you took him on something uh, called, is the Vita Cristo? Vita Cristo, yeah, the way of Christ, yeah. And it, it, what, it, what it appeared was that it was a, like a retreat for your, for your adult son I just thought that was really yeah. neat and I yeah. got to be a part of it. You asked right. me to write a letter to Kevin. Right. right. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, you know, and it's nothing that I put on and, and actually I, I was the one that was sort of sponsoring him and, and collecting letters and I took him out to dinner, but I dropped him off there. So he goes to it. I've been through it like 20 some years ago myself, different denominations have different ones. There's a road to Emmaus the Vita Cristo is one, and there's uh, another one out there, I can't remember, that they're all meant as spiritual foundation retreats. They're like a three-day retreat. they kind of a little bit of a boot camp type of thing, you know, <laughs> kind of break you down and build you back up. It, it's a great weekend experience, and that was a blessing that he was able to go, a blessing to be able to reach out to people like yourselves, because uh, at uh, towards the end of it, they're given these letters and cards such as what you wrote, and people are allowed to express to them how they feel about them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember when I went 20-some years ago, I read those, and it was like I was at my own funeral, in a sense. <sighs> wow. You know, where people are saying the best things about you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was reading these things, and, you know, I, I think in a lot in our human relationships, we don't really... We joke around sometimes, you know, we say, I love you and and this and that, we'll write a birthday card or something, but we don't really take the opportunity to uh, get serious and express what somebody means to us, you know? Mm. So there's a blessing in that. And so, uh, you know, he was blessed by that. He, uh, my son Willis had gone the year before and was so blown away by it that he went on staff for the one that Kevin went on. Oh, wow. And then my son Peter also went when Kevin went, you know, so it was, and both of them were in the faith, you know, and my son Peter is actually uh, uh, becoming a pastor right now. He's a seminary student. Uh, so both, uh, it's a whole di- mix of people going. Some are invited because they're just still searching and or they're just floundering. Hmm. Others are going to kind of just keep moving them along on their journey. And, and Kevin and Peter would fall into that category where they had a faith, but they really came out and they, it, it was a, a great experience for them to, to be uh, sort of encouraged and to see their brother, their younger brother on staff, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and pouring into them and loving on them. Cause that's one of the things about that uh, retreat is that uh, you're just loved on by all the staff and they're always finding some way to uh, to show that you know you're the center of attention in a sense, so uh, yeah, and and Kevin and, and Peter both came out saying that that was a, a real impact on on 
kind of moving their faith to the next stage. That's really cool. Yeah. And just neat that you could kind of lead him into that. What, what does being a sponsor mean? Uh, the sponsor is, is uh, uh, you pay a small fee for them to go, but then you, you basically are organizing the letters and, and things like that. So you're, you're reaching out to, you know, typically they're getting like 30 or 40 letters wow. you know, from people, family, friends, you know, and, and uh, so you're, you're doing that. And, and then you also take them out to dinner before you drop them off, you know, so that was really nice. Uh, that, and this, if you, so this was all right as the COVID stuff was. Right, right, I remember that. And this weekend was in doubt that it would actually happen because this is pretty close up and personal experience with, there's probably, you know, 60 guys there mm. with staff and everybody else. Um, and, and so we, we went out to dinner and we dropped them off, not knowing if the whole weekend would be completed because they tried it. It was, and it worked out just fine. Uh, so yeah, but that's uh, being a sponsor is kind of organizing that. And yeah, it was a special event. Cool. You sort of mentioned this. Is it, is it a specific denomination for this? Well, we're Lutheran, but I, I would say no. And it's ecumenical in that sense that, uh, you know, people going there are from a lot of different Protestant, mainly Protestant. The spiritual leader for the weekend uh, has sometimes been our pastor, Hmm. but it, rotates around you know so there's pastors from non-denominational churches from baptist churches you know uh mm. uh that are there so it's ecumenical in its scope very cool yeah now is this a is this specific to the the mount airy frederick area or do they do this nationwide there are chapters of these so i'm not sure how wide it goes okay. i've never paid but uh we're one of many i know that you know and they have a, a men's so this is all men's, and then they have a women's, which is separate and organized, but it's run by the same organization. And then a number of years back, they started a co-ed one as well for some co- people hmm. who wanted to go as couples. So, okay, yeah. very cool. Yeah, it is cool. So I was thinking about, you know, I was preparing what I wanted to to ask you and talk about today, and something came up, and I was just, I'm just really curious if this happened to you when you first became a dad. We we just bought a, a house last year and it had one extra bedroom and one of my dreams forever has been uh, I love recording and music and I want to have a, a music studio in my house. I've spent more than a decade of my life collecting the equipment, never had a space for it. And so like eight months ago, we built this like this room in the house and it just broke my heart to close that door. Uh, like we had to keep it closed because it's this delicate equipment and, right, right. and it's, it needs to be baby-proofed. And yeah. I was like, oh, there's no way I can baby-proof this room. And man, we have, it's an extra room in the house. Like my heart started changing and I'm like, I, I would much rather my daughter be able to come into this room and play and do all kinds of things. And this past week I, I, I tore it down. I, I emptied the room out and now it's like a guest bedroom mm-hmm. playroom type of place. And I would have never seen that coming that my heart would change, that I would want to give up a, a goal that I've had for so long. Uh, when you first had kids, like, like were there, were there goals that you had or things that you had to put aside that you were just like, maybe, maybe you willingly gave it up or maybe mm-hmm. you, I can't think of anything specific like that, like a goal or anything, because um, 
I, I think the kids coming along just added so much. Um, I think it's, it's your time, <laughs> right? And you don't realize, and it's a good thing you don't realize, or maybe you wouldn't have kids at the beginning, <laughs> that mm. uh, how much time and energy it takes, but it's well worth it as such an, a, a great investment. Uh, so it's, uh, no, I, I would say my experience is that I didn't really, I don't have a sense looking back of sacrifice. Mm. It was more uh, the way things were adding on and uh, the blessings of having these really cool five unique people and since they're all stair-stepped about two years give or take <laughs> apart you know you could kind of it was this great little window into the development of kids and mm. uh you know so i say in specifically to answer that question i can't think of anything i had to give up you know i didn't get to golf very much <laughs> during that time not actually not until you know much later in life you know uh but uh, I didn't golf very well at the time anyway, so that wasn't a huge sacrifice. Well, what, what, you, I mean, what you're telling me now is that even if there was something, it yeah. pales in comparison. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. You know, I, I, I met some guy uh, at work uh, about my age, and you just assume people your age are married, and he was getting ready to retire. I didn't know him that well, but as I was asking him about things, he had never been married never been in a relationship, had no kids. And I had to really mask my emotional response because inside I was so sad hmm. for him because of all, and, and maybe he just didn't realize it. He didn't know what he had missed, but I just made me reflect back on the richness of my life, of my kids. I've never, ever regretted having any of my kids, you know? Um, and it's it's been one of the greatest blessings that me or my wife have ever had uh, to be called to be parents and and that God has provided us you know with uh, his Holy Spirit to guide us with a church family that has been instrumental I can't imagine you know our church family not only fed us as I've talked about but it fed our kids you mm -hmm. know because it was a place where um, some of their lifelong friends now you've met Phil you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of our, our now our senior pastor's son that they grew up together, and just uh, this richness of accountability and authenticity and faith and stuff. You know, that uh, that has been a real blessing to us. So it's uh, no, I don't regret any of it. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you have a? Is there a Bible verse that that sticks out from from parenting? I can't think of a Bible verse that jumps out. I have a lot of Bible verses. I have a life verse. It's more verses, you know, mm. um, uh, that uh, that I use. But that's that kind of guides my life. And that's uh, Psalm 139, uh, verses 1 through 18. And, and that is, uh, you know, a, like a love letter from God. Mm. When I was helping teach fourth grade, uh, it was called Pioneer Club at the time at church. So it was Wednesday night at church, and, and Kevin was going through it. The kids were learning different things and they were learning to memorize that and i used to think that memory was not my gift you know and i couldn't memorize scripture but you know when they started memorizing that i got <laughs> challenged and so i have memorized that i say it every morning and it's just a reminder of who i am you know who god is to me and his provision for me you know uh so it kind of sets my day i say it in the morning every wow. morning and it kind of helps get my compass set right and you know and then the next morning I realize how much off course I went through in the day and it kind of brings me back again so I, I need that like I said I'm hard-headed I need those reminders every day so <laughs> that's great Psalm yeah. 139 yeah 1 through 18 excellent yeah 
Excellent. I might start my day that way tomorrow. Yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, Ted, I could talk to you forever, uh, but we have to cut it off at some point. Uh, but before we go, I would love if you would pray for the dads who are listening today. Would you be able yeah, to absolutely. do that? Absolutely. Be honored to. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, um, your word is true uh, and you don't change. And I'm so glad because I, I see my own propensity for how I can change and how I can uh, waffle back and forth, Lord. So I thank you that you've given us uh, your word as a standard that does not change. Um, you reveal yourself to us, Lord. I pray for those fathers out there, those fathers soon to be, uh, whatever stage they are in that uh, process of, of nurturing their kids and mentoring them, Lord, that uh, they would not look at what they lack, uh, but they would look at what you give them because you have everything. You're all sufficient. And um, Lord, there's no stage of fathering uh, that we're at that it's not reconcilable. Uh, we can start at the beginning, we can start in the middle, and we can start at the end, and we can always bring your love and your provision and your wisdom and your forgiveness uh, to our family and to our kids. So I just pray that that would, in fact, be impacting fathers' hearts out there because it really does start one family at a time. And I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So a week after recording this episode, Ted texted me and he said this, Hey, Mark, one thing I regret not saying was in response to your question about if I had any examples of giving up something as a result of becoming a father. I said I couldn't think of anything specific other than time, but upon reflection, Karen and I did both make a tough decision that impacted us financially for many years. It was to have her stop working and become a full-time mom at home. This cut our income, which took a few years to recover, but frankly, it was one of the best decisions that we ever made as a married couple and as parents. Our kids have been tremendously blessed beyond measure by having the full-time attention and nurturing of their mom. And I've been encouraged as a dad to step up alongside Karen and make the time that we have with our kids truly count. It has also helped us learn to trust God with our daily earthly lives and needs, as well as our eternal destination. So good. Thanks for sending that in, Ted. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Fathering. If you have a question for Ted, you can send any questions to me. My email is mark at wearethebridge.org. And if you want more information about the Via de Cristo retreat that Ted mentioned, I've included some information in the show notes, so check those out as well. As always, don't just keep your kids alive, but help them thrive. And we'll see you next time on Fathering. Fathering.